gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary. Welcome to Trope Trophies with your hosts, me, Gaddy, and Stephanie. That's me. In this podcast, Stephanie and I will be exploring tropes and we'll be pinning two characters or stories against each other. We will give a brief summary of the trope. Then we'll have three rounds to prove to you, the listener, that our character should be the winner. Super important to mention this podcast is filled with spoilers. So if you're interested in any of the characters or stories mentioned in this podcast, pause the episode and go watch Slumdog Millionaire or a couple of episodes from French Prince of Bel-Air. Now, without further ado, this week's trope is rags to riches. TV trope describes this trope as characters of poor or even modest economic standing becomes wealthy and successful, can be a gimmick of an entire series or a plot of a single episode. Alrighty then. We love a good rags to riches story. Love that. But before we get started, let's talk about what media we've been consuming. I've been really watching just a lot of YouTube channels. A lot of analysis videos on like femininity and pop culture and in film. And maybe that heterosexual relationships are not realistic or coming to an end. So I'm just like, okay. And then also... I just been rewatching the nanny because I love her fits. It's very fall esque and very inspiring for my fashion this fall. So, what about you, Steph? So, I finished Digimon Hacker's Dream. I will not spoil it. I might use it in a future podcast, but I'm definitely not spoiling it. I've also was watching a lot of YouTube, but unlike Jadixa, I'm watching a lot of indie YouTube. So I started watching Hella Boss, which is funny it's very adult this is not for children or people who get discussed easily or the conversation about hell is a little too much for you because it's a very funny show my favorite character is moxie though and you know what is crazy about moxie which is why i was just like something about his voice something about his voice guess where he's from where angry beavers which one the brown one (gasps) No, that ass. Yo, that ass. I love the brown one. Yo, he was always like glitching or freaking out. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> like going in. Yes, Stephanie actually made me watch Haluba Boss. It's actually pretty fun. I had a good time. A lot of murder. I'm just going to say it out there. A lot of murder going on, but it's hell. So what do you expect? You know? Right. <laughs> Haluba of a boss, you know, if you, that doesn't say enough right there. Right. The animation's actually really, really good too. And then I started playing my other game called Caller X Malice. And so already, so during the Panini press, I played one character already and so i'm up to the second character there are a total of five boys they're men but you know they're fucking boys to me do you Mm. get to change between characters though or is it just no you have to finish a route before you can switch to another character yeah at least you get a little bit of everybody i like games like that because of that the game is long and so like there's multiple endings you could get bad endings and tragic love endings and stuff but since i do not have time for that shit I'm going for the romance ending for everyone. I don't have time to diverge to see these other shit. I have YouTube for that. Basically. Basically. Who wants to play in a tragedy? I don't. I really don't. I mean, would Kingdom Hearts kind of be a tragedy, though? I didn't play the DLC, so I can't say anything. But from how they left off the game... I would say, fuck, yeah. I don't want to spoil anyone about it, but like... It's filled with spoilers. Yeah, this whole podcast is filled with spoilers, but like the way Sora just stopped existing and I was just like, 
what? And then it looked like he was part of another game. And I was like, wait, what? I haven't had a chance to play the DLC. I'll probably do that once I get my monitor on my in my room. Mm, and then I'll be new tech things, it. y'all. Second monitor. <laughs> I don't want a second monitor. I don't want to become that person. It'll be like, what are you? I'm like, I am a nerd. I am a true essence of a nerd. I play Dungeons and Dragons and I'm a gamer. Sounds good to me. And I'm a musical theater nerd. What is happening? Who's an otaku? Weebo? I can't. I'm just in it to win it. The only thing I have not gone into 100% is comic books. And honestly, if I get there, then I think I'm a lost cause. I think like the only comic books, I mean, there's two that I've attempted to read, which was Lucifer and Sabrina. I thought you tried to read Sandman. Oh, yeah, I did try to read Sandman. That was hard. I couldn't even find it. Oh, yeah. I like Neil Gaiman's work. I mean, I'm a big Coraline fan, so I'm just like, I want everything. Even though I tried the Bad Omens book, it wasn't my thing. But mainly he was co-written with Terry Pratcher, I think. But I guess we've all summed up the medias that we've been consuming these past long time now. But it's all been fine and dandy. To start off round one, back right on the character, I'm going to start and I'm going to be talking about Slumdog Millionaire's main protagonist, Jamal. Jamal grew up in a slum of Mumbai in India. He's the youngest between his two siblings. His older brother is called Selim. Overall, his little background is his mother died when he was very young during the anti-Muslim Mumbai riots of the early 90s. The night his mother died, he made a friend named Latika. And he and his brother traveled with her until they got in contact with a local gangster that basically ran like a child beggar trafficking ring. So he would basically make children go blind. So when they were begging, people would give them more money. Eventually, like besides physically and sexually abused children. At the time, when they were younger, they had this gangster called Memon. Salim killed him. And this other gang, rival gangster, came in and took Latika and basically groomed Salem to be his right-wing man. And Latika was kind of trained to become a prostitute. And Jamal was like forever in love with her. And his whole life's mission is to reconnect with Latika and be with her after him and his brother kind of a falling out because in every kind of way his brother portrays him in this whole film which just makes you seriously hate this guy and Jamal is left as being like the virtuous all good being like he's basically like an angel even though when he was younger to get money they did illegal things like being fake tourists you know he was just doing what he needed to do to get his money okay it's hard out here Right. So I guess he isn't 100% angel. Be like, survival the fittest, my friend. Man, when survival hits, like when you're in survival mode, you're not really you when you're on survival mode. I'm just being reminded of Hades Town where it's just like, when the chips are down, now the chips are down. What you going to do when the chips are down, now that the chips are down? It's just like, yo, when life hits, what you going to do? Y'all pop up. That's what you got to do. Hustle to put food in their bellies and scam them white people at the Taj Mahal. That's what you do. Yeah, that's a little background on Jamal. Hard life, terrible relationship with his only living family member. And the love of his life was basically sold into prostitution at like 11. What about you, Stephanie? Round one, background on the Will, the Will Smith from Fresh Prince. He was born in West Virginia, born and raised. He was chilling with his homies because Will got a smart mouth. He started saying some shit and he got into a fight. You know, he's like 16, 15 years old and his mom doesn't want him to accidentally get into gang life because West Philly is 
especially in the 80s and 90s, was like hard. And so his mom sent him over to live in um, Bel Air with her sister, Vivian, and her husband, who was a judge, Phil, living life of luxury with his cousins. But we have Carlton, who's like his Republican yippie cousin. They clash because they were just completely different worlds. Yeah, um, no game. Right, no game. Totally unaware of the other side of life. Also have Hillary, who is a ditzy airhead, doesn't care for anything, but loves money. And then cute little Ashley, who was innocent, but was privileged because, you know, she's just privileged because she was born and privileged. So Will comes in and like disrupts the whole family's like dynamic in a sense, but then not really. Like in this situation, they're always going to be rich, but it's just like the shenanigans were not going to happen unless, you know, Will's character was there to like bring up some street cred, even um, talk about some social justice issues and all that stuff. Okay, so I'm going on with round two, and round two is explaining the character via the lens of the trope. I kind of forgot to say the whole point of Jamal, Slumdog Millionaire, is that he's in a show answering questions for the show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but like the Indian version of it. In the beginning, he's like captured by the police because they think that how could he be a slumdog and know all these answers and be close to being a millionaire? And he's just like... I don't even know. It's just basically after all the fucked up shit in my life that's occurred. And so they're like, you lie. And so they literally are replaying the episodes and the story is told through his flashbacks of his youth. One of the questions is, who was the star of the 1973 hit film Zanjir? And we get a flashback when um, Jamal was a kid and he was obsessed with like all his shows and he had a picture of him. And because he was taking too long in the bathroom, his brother Salim was like charging people to use the toilet. The customer left and was like, I'm not waiting to use this bathroom because whoever's in there is taking too long. So Salim gets revenge on Jamal and like locks him in there. Like I've emphasized, this is a slum. So there is no regular flush system going on. You're pooping in a hole and the hole is full of shit. They hear a helicopter coming in and the actor Bakan is in the helicopter randomly. The only way Jamal can escape this is by going down the poop. And he literally emerges full of shit and is just like, the actor signed this. And that's how he was able to know the answer. Everyone's like, damn, that really happened. He's like, yeah, I can't even show you that it happened because because they report Salim sold the, the autograph to one of the projectionists in the movie theater. So that's like the end of the flashback. Another example is like how and it like becomes true, like he really just doesn't know anything. Like the policeman ask him, oh, like like in the depiction of the god Rama, she's famously holding what in his right hand and he's just like the bow and arrow and he only knows this because when he was running out from the Bombay riots Hillary saw a statue and recognized like oh a bow and arrow this is just trauma that brings in his mind like relieving moments like he's relieving these moments so he's just like yeah I know this because uh my life sucked growing up on one of the last questions he literally has to phone a friend and the only person's phone number that he knows is his brother and of course, since his brother was still working with the other gangster guy, his love sweetheart picks up the phone and it's about like, who is the third musketeer? And when they were younger, Salem and Jamal used to call each other by like the musketeer names. Like, I think it was like Arthos and Pathos or something like that. 
And he had to guess that. And miraculously, he got it right. So it's like, dude, it's honestly not that deep. I want to say for the record, when you say Musketeers, all I thought was Dizzy Musketeers with Donald, Mickey, and Goofy. And this just tells you guys how cultured I am. I know the original, but like, that was my first thought. I was just like, oh yeah, like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was our introduction to the Three Musketeers. Like, it's the candy bar and Disney, so... That's about it. Like, do you ask me to retell you the story? I don't know. <laughs> but actually, one of the other questions is like something that he didn't know. And the police inspector was just like, how would you not know this question? My five-year-old daughter can answer this. And he was just like, I had to ask the audience because he really just didn't know the picture of the three lions seen on the national emblem of India, like what is written under it. And he's just like, I had to ask the audience. Like, I don't know. He's like, I didn't get a proper education. So these obvious things of course i don't know it so only proving that he's answering everything of honesty and by his overall background and struggles and experiences he really out here another example is on like i said before with his tourism and he was like a scamming white people he was given a hundred dollar bill and when they asked the question like oh who's in the portrait of the american hundred dollar bill he's just like oh i know that answer and that's it i think it's benjamin franklin it is. I have a hundred dollar bill on me right now. Yay. I'm American now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know that answer. <laughs> yeah, I think Jamal really does go perfectly with this trope because he's just answering things out of honesty and he is economically rising with each correct answer he's getting based off his experiences. So That's Jamal for you. Honest as honest can be. So we're on round two for me. So for Will, right? Explain the lens of the trope. Vivian and Uncle Phil, as he's referred to, they don't adopt adopt Will, but it might as well be like hinted at it because they support him through high school, college, even after college. He even allows both him and Carlton to use the pool house as their own little mini apartment. I had to think about that for a hot second. Guys, that's privilege. (laughs) That's whole fucking privilege. Be like, yeah, I have technically my own address because my fucking pool house has its own address. Like, what? What I'm thinking about for Will is that he was given opportunities that he would not have been previously offered if he had stayed in Philly. And this is like said multiple times throughout the show, even with experience with his father, his mother, constantly thanking Vivian and Phil for being such good role models and for taking him in and helping him. When I say like rags to riches for Will, what I'm really trying to say is that he's just being given opportunities and he happens to have the ability to live the life of luxury because of these opportunities. Both Will Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil both come from hard backgrounds too. Like everyone in this freaking show is like racks of riches. Uncle Phil canonically comes from a farm where he was like rustling pigs and then became a lawyer because he was like fighting to be a better, stronger, um, improved person for himself and his future family, which I mean, he succeeded. You have so much wealth, you can go and help a nephew out. That's wealth for me. That's money. And it's not even help a nephew out. Like 
they was in private school. Okay. Like, well, no, like, I mean, help him out in the sense that, again, Will's never going to inherit any of that money. Like, that's not happening. Like, they're not part, he's not part of the will like that. I mean, I don't assume he is. Like, he might be right later Maybe on. Maybe he is know. the will for Will. Ooh. But anyway, we before I sidetracked, right? So they give you all these like educational opportunities and all of this welfare. And it's because in the end of the day, they're setting up Will to have his own fortune and his own money. You have to understand with especially within the black community and like Hispanic communities and whatever communities and person of color, really, from what I've known, education is the key to success. And that's drilled constantly in this show that wealth comes from education. All of this private school money, the college, every fucking thing, even the experiences they all share is just so that they can have an understanding of what the other half has. Luckily for Will, he's had both sides of the upbringing. So he's more well-rounded than his cousins because his cousins don't know what fucking pain and suffering really is. Round three, I guess. Um, Why are they bad or good character via the lens of the trope? I think Jamal hits it on the nail of this trope. Like, rags to riches, like, literally, like, virtuous and going by good. TV tropes even describes, like, the classic heteroi alger as the version of the trope is that the protagonist lifts himself up to economic success by the combination of hard work and virtuous behavior. Does that not describe Jamal? Like, hard work, grinding when he was, like, freaking eight years old, washing dishes, jumping on trains, hustling, scamming. He was just doing everything that he could. And, like, as a teenager, he works at, like, a call center, coming around, giving the people on the phone tea. He was just on his hustle hustle, okay? I feel like even though he fits the trope so perfectly well, I feel like that's also the downfall of Jamal is that he's just like, feels like this little saint. Like he's just like, he did what he had to do to survive, but it's just too much on the nail that it doesn't give the trope, I guess, more of an interesting modern twist because it's just so on the nail. All there was missing is for him to become like a royal I guess the only thing that makes this trope interesting or like, I guess it gives it like a more modern twist is that it's like a UK based film and it was directed by Danny Boyle, a white man. So his perspective and take on combining like Bollywood techniques and how they make their films a little campy with like the musical ending and things like that to that extent with the long lost lover issues with like your family it's interesting as a modern twist as like the uk twist to bollywood movies and the way the story is told is what makes it interesting but the character itself does not add anything to this trope so i think that's the bad thing about jamal either way i love this movie love the way it's told such a fun time even though it's so fucked up but i am entertained the whole way and jamal is amazing. And the actor, I wish I knew his name or remembered it, did a great job too. So I'm not mad at this movie. Not saying that the Oscars is the pinnacle way to like describe what is a great movie, but it did take best picture. So I think Will is a good character for the Racks to Riches story. I mean, literally, we did mention that <laughs> it would be a gimmick for the entire show. That's literally what the whole show is about. This boy's like Racks to Riches because no matter what, Will 
is always seen as an other in his um community because it's just like he's too much like he's too um he just fucking knows like he's too much street smart but in the end of the day it still serves him right and it does help him like become a better successful version of himself like he entered debate team he got into college. He got into the same college as Carlton did, which was like a whole running gag because Carlton was going to go to Preston and Carlton was going to do this and Carlton was going to do that. And then it was just like, no, we're equal footing. I mean, they did, the writers did that because, you know, they didn't want to break up the duo. I get that. Even when he was briefly engaged to Lisa, which I don't remember why they broke up. I don't know if you remember why they broke up. It felt like they were engaged and then it just ended. And it was like no conversation after that. And I was just like, okay. Somebody did something. What I remember distinctively about Will's character is just how fashionable he was. And in the beginning when he was in that like boarding school, I mean, not boarding school, that private school. And he was like kind of like changing up the uniform-esque and it caused like an issue within the school and headmasters and like, Uncle Phil, like, you need to, like, follow the rules and regulations and, like, Will just always standing for what he wanted. I think it resulted in, like, the school becoming less um, strict on their dress codes that you could, yeah, like... Yeah, relax. And then there was an episode where he decided to carve his name on the desk and then that was a whole, like, because only the founding members of whatever whatever were supposed to carve a name there and like he basically like ruined school property in like an historical sense and then it was like no but i wrote my name in there because other people wrote their name in there and i want to be remembered too and it was just like oh shit he's like yeah like isn't that why they wrote their names there because they want to be remembered why am i being punished for something that they did too and it was just like oh shit got him got him <laughs> That's just his constant thing. Will's whole character is just to disrupt the status dorm of wealthy elites in America, of Bel Air, to be very specific at that time period. He's a good trope because no matter what, like, Will never loses himself. Like, I also want to clarify before anyone says he does grow and adapt. I want to make this very clear. For you to survive anywhere, you do have to, like, accommodate to some degree. Like, even the uniform comment that Jadixa was making earlier, he still wore the uniform. He just wore it differently. And it would be completely different if he went there with his regular T-shirt and jeans and a hat and was just like, I ain't doing it. I ain't wearing no damn uniform. I ain't wearing no damn uniform. That's not what happened. He was like, if I have to wear a uniform, I'm going to customize it so it works around me. And let me just say, as someone who went to Catholic school, same. Seriously. (laughs) We all wear the same shirt. We used to wear like colored shirts underneath it so people could see like our individuality. Um, If you were in um, the anime club or whatever, like, you know, shout out to y'all if you are listening to this. We all have like (laughs) pins out, like pins of our favorite animes in the class that we've gone to. On the cardigans. um, Uh Uh-huh. We would wear, I mean, headbands to stand out. Like just anything. I always had on this red headband that everyone thought I was cute and adorable with, which is fine because, you know, I'm 16. I should be fucking cute. I shouldn't be sexy. But, you know, you have to know how you're going to maneuver around these things. That's why he's such a good character to me because, yeah, he's technically fucking loaded. Even though... Uncle Phil does make him work because it's just like you shouldn't care about the value of money. And especially since they're new money. It's yeah, a they're new money. Vibe. I think it was Will who made Carlton get a job too, because the conversation. 
Uncle Phil realizing that he he kind of sort of messed up with um Hillary. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. a little bit. But yeah. But at least she worked. Weather girl. She found, I mean, she found her path in the end of the day. That was the thing. I mean, she went from a what she was a moocher to a weather girl to a talk show host. So yeah, she definitely climbed the ranks through hard work. Yeah. Her ditzy bubbly self. Afterthoughts. So why are we like the, the other's character? Jamal to I well, I like his story because I'm kind of tired of the jaded person or the asshole witting all the time. What I do like about storytelling and fantasy is that we're actually allowing for people who do the right thing or try to attempt to do the right thing because you couldn't always do the right fucking thing. But it's just like if you have good intentions, like, I mean, I'm going to talk like in D&D terms. So I apologize to all people who will have a difficult time following what I'm about to say. Jamal is a neutral good character because he's just doing his best to maneuver around the world. He breaks the law, obviously, but he's not self-centered because in the end of the day, he's still thinking about like his childhood love and what happened to her. He still cares about his brother, even though they have a weird fallout because, you know, his brother's a dick. But, you know, we, we can't win them all. So it's so like... nicer than me, shoot. <laughs> so we can't win them all. From there, our youth, we would have been scrapping up. Me and Celine. Don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> you did that to my to the, the love of my life you got her put into a prostitution ring I mean and I'd be thanking God every day she's not pregnant though oh my gosh thank you that's the thank thing you, though <laughs> like you imagine I'll be eight years in that I would have imagined someone should have gotten pregnant but you know what God was, the gods were in her favor they were like nah and she was so, the top money so the gangsters didn't even want her to get pregnant like that was the worst case scenario for them money I'm just saying like I'm like even that it's just like oh you got lucky got it hurt what I like about Will is that he always stands his ground he was always himself funny always encouraging other people like when he encouraged Ashley to sing he really pushes people to do more and be better because it's so I don't know what it's like to be rich but I think you know being rich it's so easy not to have like a a personality or anything because it's like yeah. I don't have to try right anything we're not fucking rich and we ain't rich y'all I did watch a Vox documentary about how depressed people go to therapy and stuff and it's like what everyone was saying in it was it's difficult when you realize that you have everything and then you also have nothing and then it's hard to like dissinuate who's there with you as a friend or as a yes man it's very hard to understand what failure is because you're most likely have not experienced failure like the rest of us have and you know your rock bottom is not my rock bottom but I also don't want you to get to my rock bottom because then fuck. <laughs> I'd be like, Brandon, you really fell down the rabbit hole with that one. <laughs> right. Like, ooh. <laughs> I feel like that's what I really like about Will's character and his fashion sense. Like, I feel like. Of course. He's just killing he it. Fashion. Yeah. He was just always him, just dressed to the tees without even trying. It's swagger. I like him. He was a really cool character that really brought some heart. He's the heart. We want to bring back the five-man trope. He was the heart, I would say. So who do you think is the winner? 
Jamal or Will? Leave a comment on our Instagram at tropetrophies.pod. Listeners, if you have any tropes or characters you'd like us to battle, DM us on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. For notifications on our latest episodes, subscribe to our show. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to follow us on our socials, you can follow Jadixa at Jadiati at Instagram and Stephanie at all socials, The Bewitching Bard. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.